Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? If you have, the best answer for doing one is Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop for recording, posting, and distributing your podcast. Anchor is available to download for your Apple or Android devices, or you can go to anchor.fm. Best of all, it's 100% free and so easy to use. So what are you waiting for? If you want to start your own podcast, download the Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. Anchor, the best way to make your podcast. is the Mofobo Network Podcast, bringing you the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. Now, here's your host, Neil Villapiano. What is going on, guys? It's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Mofobo Network podcast here on Anchor or Spotify. As always, thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to listen to me here today. And this is somewhat of a special episode because I just realized that this is the 40th episode of the Mofobo Network podcast. I started this back in late March, kind of when, you know, we were really in the in the beginning of the pandemic and I got to tell you, I have loved every single second of doing this podcast, bringing you guys great content, up to the minute things about going on in the world of sports. Uh, and if you have been listening from the beginning, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much for you know just supporting me and just continuing to listen. And I really appreciate it. It means the world. It, it gives me the constant motivation to continue to come on here and talk with you guys. And Today, like every other episode, we have a lot to get to, and we're going to be specifically talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. We're basically going to be talking about what is the next step, because there are a lot of question marks going into the 2020-2021 season, now that the Bucks have been knocked out of the NBA playoff bubble. But without further ado, let's get right into it. So. Let's give you a little bit of an um, update as to where the Bucks are now uh, at the time of the scoring. The Bucks just lost in five games in the second round of the NBA playoffs to the Miami Heat, which I'm sure for a lot of people, including myself, I will say that 100%, that I was surprised that the Bucks were beaten as soundly as they did. I mean, they nearly got swept out of the second round. And, you know, there's a lot of question marks around why did the Bucks underperform so much against the Miami Heat. Well, first of all, you can say, you know, you could say, well, Miami was just a better coached team. I mean, you could make that argument, no doubt. They had more guys that came through in those clutch situations needing a big shot. Yeah, the, the Miami Heat did that. But let's, let's kind of let's kinda go deeper into this. I really want to because I want everybody to understand, you know, they are a small market team, the, the Bucks are. Uh, but they're one of the deepest teams. They were expected to go to the NBA Finals. I had them going to the NBA Finals. 
and they're out in the second round. They didn't even get to the conference finals like they did the year before. But Giannis Antetokounmpo, in case anybody didn't know, uh, was out uh, for the majority of game four due to an injury. Uh, on it. He twisted his ankle, the same ankle that he twisted earlier in the playoffs. He was out the rest of that game, and Chris Middleton stepped up big time to propel the Bucks to their only win of that series. And then Giannis did not play at all in game number five, and the Bucks ended up losing that game as well to get knocked out of the NBA playoffs. So the Bucks, this kind of this whole situation that they're in right now kind of goes back to how everything transpired last season in the 2018-19 season. And the reason that I say that is because of this. The Bucks had 60 wins in the regular season at the end of the 18-19 season. And they look like a, a team ready to make a championship run. I think a lot of people would say that they had the Bucks really making a run and maybe getting to the NBA Finals uh, to go up against the Golden State Warriors. They had a two-games-to-none lead in the conference finals before losing the next four games and getting knocked out in six games to the eventual champion, Toronto Raptors. And, you know, I think that was definitely – a disappointing situation. I think a lot of people thought the Bucks were going to go further. I mean, you know, further would have been getting to the NBA Finals, but that wasn't the case. During that offseason, that's when you started to hear the rumors about is Giannis going to stay with the Bucks long term or is he going to, you know, leave in free agency and go play somewhere else? This happens with every star we've had in the league since LeBron James. It's always about Whenever these guys are close to the end of their contracts with whatever team, you start having these discussions about where they're going to go. You could just go back to last season, and it was all about, well, not this past regular season, but the one before, 18-19. Everybody was talking about, is Kevin Durant going to stay in Golden State? Is he going to go somewhere else? Blah, 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 blah. Well, we eventually found out that, you know, he went to the Brooklyn Nets. But that's besides the point. I mean, every single time LeBron has been a free agent, that's the question. You go back to the first time he was in Cleveland, when we got close to the end of his, his last contract in his first go-around with the Cavaliers, everybody was talking about it. Where's LeBron going to go? Is he going to stay in Cleveland? You know, what is he going to do? And then after he was at, when he was basically done in Miami after winning championships and he was a free agent again, again, where's LeBron going to go? Is he going to stay with the Heat? He's going to go back to Cleveland. He's going to go to, you know, somewhere else. We don't know. And then at the end of the last time he was with the Cavaliers two years ago, again, the questions came up. Is he going to stay in Cleveland? Is he going to go to the Sixers? Is he going to go to the Lakers? Blah, 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 blah. This happens with every superstar that's a free agent. We asked that question this past summer with Kawhi Leonard as well. We didn't know if Kawhi wanted to stay long-term in Toronto. We didn't know if he wanted to go somewhere else. We didn't know until they finally signed on the dotted line and it became official. So the same thing is happening here with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it's, you're already asking people ask like, oh, is he going to go to a, a big time city? Like, is he going to go to the Knicks? Is he going to go join up with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in Golden State? Is he going to go to the Miami Heat and team up with Jimmy Butler? Is he going to sign a small term, small term deal with uh, the Lakers to team up with LeBron and AD? Like I've heard all these different rumors. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty tired of it because it's we're just going down the same same you know road path that we've gone down numerous times and I get it we don't always have things to talk about but when you constantly bring up things like that it just becomes very in a way it becomes very boring it becomes very you know tiresome 
to constantly bring it up. And I'm not gonna really bring it up that much in this discussion here today. There's a bunch of other things that I wanna discuss that are more important revolving the bucks than it is about Giannis itself. And remember, Giannis is due for, well, he is eligible for a Supermax contract this offseason. So there is always the chance that he could just sign a long-term max deal with the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's the end of it. You know, we already heard over the last 24 hours that, oh, Giannis may decide to request the trade because he still has a year left on his contract before he's an unrestricted free agent in 2021. There's always that. But I don't think Giannis is going to ask for a trade. I don't, I think that out of all the things that we, you know, you can point out, I think the most logical thing you're going to see is probably that Giannis is not going to sign the Supermax deal. He'll probably just, you know, play out this year, this next year, but he's going to put pressure on the Milwaukee Bucks franchise to really start getting some guys in here that can help him. Because I'll be very honest with you, Giannis is not one of those guys that can carry an entire franchise throughout the entire playoffs. They weren't doing well even when he was on the court during the early stages of that second round against the Heat. And when, they, when he was off, when he was hurt, I hate saying this, at times the Bucks looked better without Giannis on the floor. And I know that's very disrespectful because a lot of people love Giannis. And there's things about Giannis that I love too. I love that he could be just a dominant you know, player and he can, you know, do things and he's just an all around very talented player. But you have to notice those things when you're trying to be as realistic and fair about your evaluation of a team. But nonetheless, going back to what I said, I'm not really going to talk about that much about where do I think Giannis is going to go. I just kind of said that I said, you know, already that I think he'll just play out the year and that'll be the end of it. But let's kind of go into kind of the, you know, from the start of this season to where we are now and kind of the problems that are in Milwaukee, because I think there's a lot of things other than, you know, Giannis being the guy that's not stepping up in the playoffs. I think there's a lot more to it than just Giannis in many regards. So let's kind of jump into it. So before we had the shutdown back in early March, the Bucks had the fifth best scoring margin and third best defensive relative to league average in NBA history. I mean, they were on pace to be one of the most dominant all-around teams in a regular season in NBA history. Even before the shutdown, the Bucs had already clinched the playoff spot. So they were already in a position where they were just going to kind of rotate guys in and out. They weren't going to really try to focus too squarely on winning games, just keeping guys in good shape and good rest for when they got to the playoffs. But obviously, we had to shut down and several months of uncertainty until we finally got a decision made by the NBA that they were going to be playing a bubble in Florida. And obviously, you knew the factors were going to be there. No fans, no home court advantage. You're not really, you know, you, you're not going to be around your loved ones. You're going to be mostly around your teammates. Very, very, you know, a lot of restrictions when it comes to, you know, where you could go, what you can do because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So obviously, on the mental side of things, it was going to be a hurdle for everybody. Even the teams that are still in it now, it's still a hurdle. Despite the fact that family members are now allowed to be there, it's still kind of tough because you're just trying to get through it. A lot of these guys are like, let's just get through this, man. Let's just try to get through this. It's going to be one of the toughest championships to ever win. And, you know, it's going to, you're going to give a lot of respect to whoever wins the title because you're going to understand they had to go through a lot just to get through it. But the Bucks 
knew that they weren't going to obviously have their home fans, even though there were virtual fans. If you watched any of the games, you saw them. That didn't, there wasn't that much of an advantage for anybody. So it kind of made it an even playing field for basically every team going into the playoffs. And that's what you're seeing, honestly, in these playoffs. You're seeing it where it's just team versus team, and there is no other really factors in these series. So that's what you got to pace for. But the Bucs were on pace for what I'm reading here. They, got, they were on pace for about 71 wins as late as March. So there was a, a pretty good chance uh, that the Bucs could have actually broken the record and, and, and then held the title as the greatest regular season record in NBA history. But I think because they had already made the playoffs, they weren't really going to be that concerned down the stretch when it came to, you know, how many games do you win? They locked up the first seed. They weren't going to lose any of that. That's just how it was going to go. But nonetheless, they had a pretty, I wouldn't say easy time, but a pretty successful time against the Orlando Magic in the first round. They did lose the first game, which definitely caused people to be concerned. But then the Bucks kind of just started to, you know, roll like they were, like they were expected to. They were the better team. They were the better, you know, they were the more talented team. And, and they showed that. So then you go into this next round against the Miami Heat were coming, who were coming off beating the Indiana Pacers. So both of these teams didn't have the world's toughest matchups in the first round, but obviously things were going to be elevated going into round two. Now, after the Heat beat the Bucks in five games, the first question was, well, what really was it? Was it that the Bucks just weren't good enough? Were the Heat just better? Well, the way I look at it with the Heat, the Heat, in my opinion, were more formidable than anybody the Bucs had faced up until that point. They were smarter, more disciplined, more physical, and much more relentless. Jimmy Butler has shown the type of player that he's always been and, he, and why he went to Miami. He wanted to go somewhere with guys that could play and have the same intensity and the same passion about winning as he does. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a relentless Miami Heat team that I don't think it matters who they play in the conference finals, whether it's the, the Toronto Raptors or the Boston Celtics, they're going to be in for a very tough, physical, relenting series, you know, from start to finish, regardless of how long or short that series might be. So that's really what you saw. And the Bucks, a lot of their problems were self-inflicted. If they didn't have those problems, they probably would have had a lot more success. But there was a lot of self-inflicted problems when it came to the Bucks not having the success that they were expected to have going into this and trying to get to the NBA Finals. There was three. The first one to me was Mike Budenholzer, I felt, did not play Wesley Matthews enough because Wesley Matthews throughout that series proved that he was the best guy when it came to defending Jimmy Butler. He had the most success. So I felt that Wesley Matthews should have gotten another 10, 15 minutes extra on the court to just play defense. I think if they had done that, they might have given themselves a better chance to win a couple of games that they, they ended up not winning in this series. The next thing that I have is I think that the Bucks at times did not have the right matchup when it came to guarding Bam Adebayo. The only guy that seemed to have success against Bam Adebayo was Brooke Lopez. Now, Brooke Lopez was not tremendous, especially shooting the basketball in these playoffs, but he was definitely playing solid defense. So just like Wesley Matthews, I felt that Mike Boonholzer should have played Brooke Lopez a little bit more to just guard Bam. I think if you had kept those two guys in a little bit more and 
made them in the rotation, I think you would have I think you would have had more success on the defensive side. And then that just kind of brings me to the point where I think out of all the problems, the biggest one is that the Bucks, Mike Boonholzer in particular, lacked the defensive flexibility. They didn't do a good job of protecting the glass. They fouled the, the top shooters on the Heat, you know, Jimmy Butler. You fouled Tyler Hero a lot. You fouled Duncan Robinson a lot. Bam. These guys can shoot the ball relatively well, but you fouled them so many times that you could see in the free throw shooting differential, of course the Heat were doing better from the free throw line because they were just getting way more chances. And I think that was another key. You were fouling them way, way, way too often. And you can put blame on the refs and things like that as much as you want. But the reality is that you could see in the foul differential, the Bucs were, were fouling way more than Miami was. And that kind of goes back to the whole thing about Miami was a much more disciplined team. They knew when, you know, when they needed to foul, you know, when to give a foul away and when to, you know, properly try to go after a ball or, or play up on somebody. I also felt that when you looked at the defense of the Heat, they weren't backing up, daring these guys to shoot. They were playing right up on them saying, we don't care if you shoot from there or try to drive the lane. We're going to play a physical brand of defense that's going to smother you. And that's what you saw in many different ways. Another thing is that the Bucks really lacked good transition defense. They really did. A lot of time when the, when the Heat got on the break, there wasn't anybody back there to really slow down you know, anybody. And the matchups that they had when they went on the break was just ridiculous. Usually it was two-on-one or three-on-one going the other way. Like It seemed like several guys in the Bucks, after they turned over a, a pass at any point, they just kind of gave up and just said, oh, let him go score. It just didn't seem like they had the urgency and the want and the fire to go and try to make, you know, make a play defensively. That's one of the things that I respect about someone like LeBron James a lot is that even if he turns over the ball, he goes 100% the other way to try to block a shot. I mean, you, all you have to do is go back to the, to the NBA Finals a couple years ago where there was a two-on-one. There's Andre Iguodala looking to just get an easy layup late in the game. LeBron comes flying out of nowhere and blocks it dead cold. He even did it a couple of games ago against the Rockets where he blocked the crap out of Russell Westbrook off the, off the, off the fast break, off transition. That's called really good transition defense. The Bucs didn't have that. They just gave up half the time, in my opinion. From what I saw, it just looked like at times they had no emotion. Nobody on that team was being a leader. And that's a problem there. And Mike Boonholzer wasn't doing what he needed to do as a coach to call timeout, rally the troops, settle them down. He just kind of let things go. And as a result, there were several times where the Heat got on runs that, in my opinion at times, was the difference maker in some of these games. So it was really a difficulty. Another thing you can be critical of is that this year, when it came to the offensive and defensive aspects, the Bucks actually played better defense statistically when Giannis wasn't on the court, which again brings up the worrisome thing of, is it the fact that the Bucks rely too much on Giannis to be your go-to guy all the time? And so when he's on the court, you just defer to him all the time? Or is it that the Bucks just seem to understand each other a lot more when you don't have that big talent and presence on the court? I think it's a mixture of both. But when you look at the Bucks, the Bucks were outscored 12.9 points per 100 possessions when Giannis was on the floor. That's an issue. If you're getting outscored when your best player is on the court, that clearly means that changes need to be made. And that doesn't mean, oh, you just um, immediately like say, oh, well, then it's Giannis's fault. No, it's not. There's a lot of problems here. 
another problem that you have to be honest with ourselves is this. And I know people might disagree, but I'm going to be honest. I don't think Giannis is a leader. He hasn't shown it to me. If he's, you know, I, I don't think that he feels comfortable being the, the voice leader that he needs to be. You're the main guy on this team. You need to be the voice that everybody listens to. That's what guys like LeBron and to a lesser extent Kawhi Leonard are all about. They're all about being the leaders of that team, being a voice to give these guys confidence to say, don't worry, guys, I got you. Particularly LeBron. LeBron has been like that for a long time, and you can see it all the time. He is a leader. He is a general. That's just who he is. If the, it, you know, And Giannis isn't like that, and maybe that's just part of his personality. I don't know him personally, and I can't speak for the man, okay? So I'm not going to try to make any assumptions. But from afar, I just don't think that the Bucks have a leader a really legit leader. I don't think Chris Middleton's a leader. I don't think guys like George Hill, Kyle Korver, Brooke Lopez. I don't think any of those guys are leaders on a team. I don't even think Mike Budenholzer does a good job of being a leader. The Bucks need to have somebody who's going to be the voice that everybody listens to, that before the game he comes in and says, guys, we got to come out and play our A game. We're trying to win a championship here. We're not just here to get to the conference finals and feel good about ourselves. We want to go win the championship. Plain and simple. That's what it's all about. And for me, I don't see that in Giannis. It could certainly change, but I don't see it right now. And that brings up the next point that I want to say is that Giannis is not one of those players that can carry a team on his own. He needs help. He needs a good supporting cast. And you would have thought by the way the Bucs were playing last season in the regular season and for the majority of the playoffs, and then even in this regular season, that the Bucs had a really deep team. And they did go 10 deep. There is no question. The reality is, is that they didn't have enough guys that understood how to play both sides of the ball. You know, they were really focusing on having a bunch of shooters around Giannis because they knew Giannis was not going to be the world's greatest shooter. Now, he did improve on his mid-range and his three-point shooting this year, but it's still not where it should be. It's still not. And he still needs to work on that. And he certainly needs to work on his free throw shooting because the fact that he continues to shoot as poorly as he does is unacceptable for a star player. It's unacceptable for any player in the NBA. You're getting paid millions upon millions of dollars, and you can't score when it really matters. Let's go back to game four. Perfect example. The Bucs have a chance to take a one-point lead with just seconds left to go. You have Dante DiVincenzo at the line, who's considered to be a decent free throw shooter. And I understand that, you know, there's pressure on him because he's a young kid in the playoffs. But nonetheless, he gets to the line, and he misses the first shot. That, that angered me. It, it angers me all the time when these guys can't make one of the most simple parts of the game and one of the most critical. I continue to believe that free throw shooting is the most important part of basketball because it, it, it dictates when you, whether you win or lose a very close game like that. But luckily, he made the second free throw shot, and the Bucks did end up winning that game in overtime. But still, can you imagine if he had missed both? They would have gotten swept, and that would have been the difference. The difference between getting swept and then at least losing in five and you won a game. You know, it would, like all the good that Chris Middleton was doing in that second half would have been wasted and forgotten if Dante DiVincenzo had missed those two free throw shots. And that's unacceptable to me. That's unacceptable. But going back to Giannis, yeah, Giannis is not a good free throw shooter. He needs to get better at that as well. Um, he just needs to work on his all-around game. And I also will say this. There are times where I don't think he's as aggressive as he should be when it comes to playing defense. It kind of reminds me of what people were being critical of with Wilt Chamberlain way back in the day. They were saying, oh, he's too nice. That's why, you know, he doesn't realize how good he actually is. And he's not, 
putting enough effort out there to really, you know, be the dominant player that he can be. You can say that at times about Giannis. Giannis is a great person. You know, people love him. He's a guy that the NBA is very happy to have. He's not this guy that just beats his chest and says, I'm the man. He's just a very kind individual. Maybe that is part of his downfall, that maybe he's a little too nice. But, but again, I don't know the man personally, so I can't speak for him. I can only speak off of what I'm seeing and what I'm evaluating from my own eyes from a very far, far away standpoint. So that's the way I look at it. But nonetheless, you know, it really is an issue with, with Giannis that he needs help. He needs, this, he needs the organization of the Bucks to get him the proper help. Keeping Chris Middleton is fine, but you need another guy. You need another, you know, really, really solid player. You had that in Brogdon, but you traded him away. And you got a first-round pick, but you didn't do anything with it. I mean, that's the problem. And Brogdon flourished with Indiana this year. Can you imagine if Brogdon was still with the Bucks? They would have been a lot better. I think they would have played defense a little bit more. But that, you know, it's just, it's a difficult thing. So then the next person that people would then say, well, if it's not Giannis, it must be Budenholzer. Let's fire Budenholzer. Okay. Relax. All right. Relax. Mike Budenholzer is arguably one of the best, if not the best coach the Bucs have ever had. And I know the Bucs did win a championship way back in the day with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. Like, I know that. But Budenholzer has done so much for a team that topped out at 44 wins when Jason Kidd was the head coach. Budenholzer has taken this team to another level. And I want to read you something from Joe Walford, who uh, is an NBA writer for The Score, okay? This is an article he wrote yesterday evaluating the Bucks situation. Budenholzer, with his stylistic, rigidity, 10-deep playoff rotations, Pat Connaughton fixation and adherence to a 36-minute limit makes for an easy scapegoat. Right there, definitely. But that doesn't make him cutting him loose an obvious decision or even necessarily the right one. It's easy to forget the Giannis era Bucks had topped out at 44 wins and hadn't gotten out of the first round before Bud took the job. This is true. The year before Milwaukee hired him, the Bucks ranked 19th in defensive efficiency. They were much worse defensively than they are now before Bud took over. They've had the league's best regular season record, best defensive rating, and best net rating in both of his years at the helm. They've won three playoff series in five games or less. He completely revamped the Bucks system at both ends of the floor and in the process helped turn Brooke Lopez from an chronistic back-to-the-basket big with a shoddy defensive reputation into a three-point bombing rim protector gracing an all-defensive team. Bud's tweaks helped unlock new facets of Antetokounmpo's game and made him arguably the best two-way player in the association. So the bench boss raised the bar for his team and himself and then failed to clear it. Where exactly does that leave him? It's a lot easier to simply fire him and go search for a better coach than it is to actually find the replacement who can take the Bucks to the next level. But if Bud is back, which I heard today, by the way, that, that Boonhoser will be back as head coach, but that Eric Bledsoe is definitely trade bait. Um, he absolutely can't approach next season the way he approached this one. He needs to demonstrate adaptability. I agree with that. I think you need to adapt to the way the NBA game is. The reality is that most teams in the NBA, thanks to the Golden State Warriors, are now three-point shooting teams. That's what they mostly do. That's why Toronto has had the success that they've had in this postseason. If their three-point shooting is on, they're having a lot of success. 
When they're not, you saw what happened in the first two games and the three games that they've lost to the Celtics in this series now going to a game seven. That's, that's how you're playing now. I think the Bucs at times have not been as aggressive defensively as they should. No team in the NBA really is except maybe you could say the Clippers because the Clippers, you know, they have Kawhi Leonard and of course they're going to be a defensive monster. But you need to be more physical because there's not that many players right now that are okay with playing with, you know, having to go up against the physical defense. They complain too much about it. Too bad. You got to be physical. And as far as the Bucks ownership goes, here is the thing. The Bucks are one of those teams, and maybe it has to do with more because they're a small market, that at times they're not willing to spend a whole lot of money and go over the luxury tax to win a championship. And that's a little bit hypocritical because they spent over $250 million or something along those lines on building their new arena. So what are we talking about here? And so that, that's something to understand if you're talking to the Bucks ownership that, look, you have the greatest player in your franchise's history since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in Milwaukee. You have two options. Either you let him go or you give him the money and you help him out. Because even though Giannis has said very much that he's very big on loyalty, how long does that loyalty last if your team is not doing what it needs to do to help, you know, help you and try to win a championship? I don't know who exactly the Bucks need to go after. I did hear about Chris Paul. Chris Paul would be interesting because Chris Paul at this point in his career is a tremendous distributor. And more importantly, he is a bona fide leader. Look what he did in his first year with the Oklahoma City Thunder a team that when he was traded there had a 2% chance of making the playoffs according to Vegas odds. A 2% chance. They got the fifth seed and nearly knocked out the Rockets in the first round of these playoffs. And now they have a boatload of draft picks, particularly first-round picks, over the next three or four years. They're going to be in really good shape in a few years. And Chris Paul really got them going with that belief that they, they're much closer than maybe people think they are. Now, does this mean that the Thunder are going to want to move on from, from Chris Paul and, and just do a rebuild and go from there? I don't know. But if Chris Paul is available, I got to be honest with you. I think that the Thunder would be okay with taking someone like Eric Bledsoe and maybe that first round pick you got from, for Brogdon for Chris Paul. Because at that point, you'll sit there and say, the only reason they're bringing Chris Paul in, the Bucks, is they're looking for a guy that could be a tremendous distributor and a bona fide leader. A guy that people can look to. A guy that Giannis can even look to and feel comfortable with. But you need that third guy to help out with Giannis. You may need, even need a fourth guy. Maybe that fourth guy is Dante DiVincenzo. I don't know. I highly doubt it. But the, the majority of the main core of this Bucks team is secured for contract through this next season. The only guy that's not, it's Wesley Matthews. You better try to keep him because he was your best defensive player throughout the playoffs, in my opinion. And the only guy that had any success against Jimmy Butler. You really have to. Mike Budenholzer knows that this team, they need to be more aggressive defensively and they need to adapt to the way the NBA game is playing. You gotta really, really get up on these guys. You got to play physical. You got to bring that mentality. You have an intimidating player in Giannis. You have 
some, some other big guys like Brooke Lopez that can block shots. You got to be that shot blocking, intimidating down low team. You got to really put the fear of God in a lot of these teams. I don't think the Bucks were as intimidating as they should have been in these playoffs. So that's the big thing that I, I want to see from the Bucks. As far as, like I mentioned before, as far as the, you know, will Giannis sign the Supermax? I don't think he will. I think he'll probably just end up playing out the year, but the pressure is on. Starting right now, the pressure is on in Milwaukee with that ownership group, with, with everybody involved. This might be, this upcoming year, this very well could be the last chance that the Bucks have to really legitimately go compete and try to win a championship. Because we don't know what Giannis is thinking. I'm sure Giannis is more focused on next season than really anything else. We've already heard that he's definitely not going to ask for a trade. He's like, no, I want to win here. You got to, you got to get a leader in here. You got to get a bona fide leader. Getting someone like Chris Paul or someone else like that, you got to get a leader in here. You got a guy that can rally the troops at all times. Boonholzer isn't that guy. Chris Middleton isn't that guy. And I know a lot of people might get mad, but it's certainly not Giannis Antetokounmpo. So the future is somewhat bleak right now for the Milwaukee Bucks because they'll still be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference next year. But you have teams like the Heat that are now a very competitive team. You still have the 76ers that if they get things rolling finally with both, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons could be a force. Oh, you have a team in Brooklyn that will have a healthy Kyrie Irving, a healthy Kevin Durant, and the rest of that very deep and talented squad coming in for the Nets next season. So the East is just getting harder. So you better lock it up because Giannis may not want to, you know, he's talked about being loyal to Milwaukee, but if the Bucks underperform again next year, I don't, I don't really know how much loyalty Giannis will have at that point. So the Bucks got to start showing now that they're going to go all in to win and they got to do that. And if they don't, most likely I think Giannis is out the door. With that being said, That'll do it for this edition of the Mofobo Network podcast, episode number 40. Again, thank you guys so much for all the love and support since the beginning of this podcast. It has been so much fun, and I'm so excited for the future of this podcast, everything that, it, that we have coming up for you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you like and subscribe to it on both Anchor and Spotify so you can stay up to date with the new episodes every single week. We post them on Tuesdays. And Thursdays, just search Mofobo Network or Neil Villapiano and you will find this podcast. If you want to continue to stay up to date with the podcast on other places, you can go and like and follow the Mofobo Network Facebook page, where again, I will post when the new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays come out, and also the new YouTube videos that I post. And speaking of the YouTube videos, make sure you also like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Presents YouTube channel, and you can stay and you can go check out all the great videos that I post on there. I just posted a new video yesterday. It was an NFL preview. Go check that out. Go check out all the videos. Again, Mofobo Network Presents. That's what you type in on YouTube. And on the Facebook page, you can stay up to date with the new videos there. So from Tuesday, to Thursday of every week, you get a new podcast or a new YouTube episode. So please go check those out and support me on there as well. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. You can follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and my personal Instagram at N-V-P 
QB11. If you want to just listen to more of my voice talking about sports, you can check me out on the Devils State of Mind podcast, which is the New Jersey Devils-based podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I talk all things New Jersey Devils, all things hockey, and so much more. We have great guests that have come on, tremendous topics, and so much more. So all you do is search hockeypodcastnetwork.org. You can find the episodes there. You can just go on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's State of Mind, and you will find those episodes. And you can check out all the other podcasts that we have on that network for every single team and so much more. It's been a lot of fun. So please go check that out as well and support me there. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, I want to say that I am the co-host of the Bottom Line Podcast along with my good friend, Jimmy Finizzi. We actually just recorded another episode earlier this morning with our good friend and biggest supporter of that podcast, Andrew Huntington. We talk all things New York sports, but yeah, we have new episodes of the Bottom Line Podcast every single Tuesday and Thursday as well. And you can follow the Bottom Line on Twitter at Bottom Line. You can follow the Instagram that we have as well, Bottom Line. And you could just follow us on Anchor and Spotify as well for that. Just search Jimmy's first name, J-I-M-M-Y, and you'll find it, or Bottom Line Podcast. New episodes, just like Mofobo, every single Tuesday and Thursday. We're also on YouTube as well. So any of the podcasts that you listen to, you could also check out the video form of it on YouTube. Again, Bottom Line Podcast. So please go check that out as well. And last but certainly not least, go check out my book right now on Amazon.com, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 which is about the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So it goes through all the painful memories, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership moves, and so much more since the Jets won the Super Bowl in 1969. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, Go check it out on Amazon and Barnes Noble for the price of $19.69. And if you're a Jets fan, you probably guessed why I chose that price. It's available for hardcover ebook. Again, J-E-T-S, pain, pain, pain. So once again, my name is Neil Villapiano. Thank you guys for checking out this edition of the Mofobo Network podcast. And we will see you in the next episode. As I always say, continue to remain safe out there during this difficult time with the COVID-19 pandemic. Wear a mask. Practice social distancing, wear gloves, you know, make sure you have disinfectants with you because we're all trying to remain safe and healthy during this time and not just protecting yourself, but your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers, and just people that you meet and run into on a day-to-day basis. Because if we continue to do all those things, we will continue to be safe, we'll continue to flatten the curve, and eventually it'll give our health officials enough time to eventually find a vaccine for this virus and that we can eventually get back out and feel safe and free to interact with everybody once again. Thank you as always to the essential workers out there. You guys have been just phenomenal from start to where we are now with your hard work and determination to keeping us all safe and you know trying to keep things going in this new you know form of normalcy because without you guys we'd be in a much worse position right now. So thank you guys so much. And as I say at the end of every episode, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what hardships you might be dealing with, 
Just remember when you wake up in the morning, have a smile, think positively, and kick some mofobo. So thank you guys very much for listening today, and God bless.